0: Peering back, get mother. Ugh, I forgot how difficult this was. If you
1: haven't done, yep, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode fifty-three of the Glass Cannon fancast It's been a minute. How are you, Jared?
0: I'm tired, but I didn't realize how nostalgic this would already feel. Being back in the spot doing this again, it feels really good.
1: It does. I've missed this.
0: I have missed it too. Uh, I didn't miss some of the um, behind the scenes stuff that we had to deal
1: with, but (laughs) this part I missed immensely. Yeah, we haven't exactly kept up on our chats like we thought we would.
0: No, we haven't, but... I think everything that we've both been dealing with in our personal lives kind of gives us a little pass, but I definitely want to see us jump back into the more one-on-one chats that we used to have back in the day. But I think given now that, you know, we have nothing but time on our hands, at least for the next two weeks, shouldn't be an issue.
1: Yes, hopefully everybody is staying safe out there. We're not going to spend too much time talking about it because that's all anybody talks about anymore. Yes. Is the world shutting down. But we
0: want to give you a a reason or an excuse to just step away, to take a deep breath. Because yesterday I didn't look at anything at all, and I felt amazing. We're here to help you break away from all that, take a break, relax, and join us on this journey of 250.
1: So sit back, take a deep breath, relax. But I do have a couple of housekeeping things just before we jump into 250. First off, we're back today, but we are not currently back doing weekly shows. For this one, we're only covering GCP 250. We're not even talking about androids and aliens. On that note, though, I do want to say a special thank you to everyone who reached out to us and was like, so you guys going to come back and just do something for these? And I was like,
0: hmm. Did you actually have people reach out to you?
1: No, you, you, you handle that. People want to talk to you. I'm just terrible at social media. You know yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually don't know if anybody like, emailed us or something like that. Uh, Amanda messaged us. She was like, so you guys doing anything? Or she, messaged, Oh, yeah. I don't know. I hadn't listened to it when she reached out. Unfortunately, I missed the live stream of the show, and so I had to catch up because uh, I was out of town. But it's amazing. Now, for some of the reasons that we're not coming back doing a weekly show, Cannon Fodder is back. For the $10 and up Patreon subscribers.
0: Yeah, part of me was like, why are we doing this again if they have the FOD now officially back in an official capacity? but I was like, let's just just have fun. Let's just do it. Let's just talk about it. Yeah.
1: Again, because you and I were messaging each other back and forth, just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. So we had to do this. Now, another reason that we're not doing these more often, number one, we're still trying to figure out what this show would be, because, as we stated, fodder's back. Number two, Jared's a father, which is a choice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. That's one I would gladly make again, but it takes up all your time.
1: Yeah, well, as much as I poke fun, congratulations, buddy.
0: Thank you, thank you. Yes, my lovely wife has been up since three o'clock this morning with him, and she's continuing to stay with him while we record this, so I am foreverly grateful.
1: Yeah, you... I don't know how you talked her into that, but... She's
0: just an amazing person, and knows what I'm passionate about, and lets me do what I want to do. So, for that, thank you. She'll never listen to this, but, you know.
1: Thanks, Dana. (laughs) Now, the last thing I did want to talk about is the total recaps.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One thing I realized is I was very ambitious in the past about giving dates. So I have here in my notes, don't promise a date, don't even speculate about a date that those will go out. But they are still being worked on. I just feel I, I feel like I owe everybody, yes, that's still coming. Now, I do want to say the Androids and Aliens one is almost done. And I was listening to what we've got so far. And I, I just cannot thank... Everyone who contributed enough for all the hard work that they put into that. So thank you to everybody for doing the write-ups, doing some readings of other people's write-ups, of your own write-ups. I was listening back through just the first book section of that, and it gave me chills. So thank you, everybody, and those will be coming soon, TM.
0: Also, with everybody doing their March to 300 re-listen there's a few more episodes still that need to be signed up for for the giant slayer portion if you want to jump in and give us a hand while you're doing it you're already doing it it's not a big deal if you have any questions you can reach out to either myself or steven and we can give you the rundown but
1: yeah but that's enough about us let's talk about what we're here to talk about and that is the glass cannon podcast episode 250 true now as it ever was
0: so for these recaps, it's going to be a little bit different than our usual style because there's so much, and it, I was sitting here trying to condense a recap of just part one, and it would end up being just as long as my notes were because there's just <laughs> so many details that I personally feel are going to be important or, or a payoff to something previous. So we're just going to kind of jump in and hit each kind of point, and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, and similar to what we did before with A there's nothing that we could do to recap it that would really do it justice. So really there's just stuff that both Jared and I took notes on that we wanted to talk about. And that's what this is going to be.
0: Yeah. And if there's something else that you would like our opinion on our, you know, our well-established and well sought after opinion on, (laughs) you know how to reach out to us. If you have any questions about what we think is going to happen, but part one kicks off with Farazza pulling herself back away from the mirror with her father. And we learn that she's pretty much just been, peeping tom this whole time watching everything
1: play out you know it's interesting anybody who can scry could really use the pickup line hey you want to watch some porn on my flat screen mirror
0: Mm, i like that except with her it seems like it's like a oled imax quality (laughs) you know and especially if it's someone you have to be familiar with oh but we do find out that her father is part of a three-part prophecy because he mentions three or two others that have to be involved, and it has to be passed down to her. She must take over for him before he dies. And just as they're about to fade out, we see them look into the mirror and approach a familiar pyramid. I'm thinking this is the same pyramid from before, like 50 episodes ago.
1: I'm pretty sure this is probably the same pyramid where Pudier died.
0: Yeah. Following that, we fade into the reconnection so to speak of both sir will adriel and his mother and we find out that his mother survived Highbury thanks to brander which was odd yeah like, okay he, he's really playing that you know that puppet master strings mm-hmm. sir will tells his mother that brander has been involved in their lives for a long long time as he was dr forsyth who came to see all of them many many years ago while Sophia is very, very happy to see her son, she's also saddened because she has been given visions by Shailen that both Adriel and Sir Will must leave to reach a chapel near an abandoned monastery that the world depends on it. Before they leave, though, Sophia brings out Lexington, who somehow yes! also got out of a highbury and made it back to his mother, which was amazing. Joe was, in th- Joe was ecstatic. Everybody was ecstatic. That was like a... <clears throat> there. I uh-
1: I, I teared up at this point and did l- one of those little like you know fist pumps into the air because if we think back to I think it was episode two hundred because there was the scene in Highbury where Sir Will's brother pointed at this wolf and it's implied heavily that the dead wolf is Lexington so to see Lexington come back it was just like yeah Sir Will is not going to be entirely useless
0: no and it kind of shows that Troy does have a heart.
1: Yeah, a little one. Tiny.
0: Tiny, tiny heart. Yeah. Then we fade back into the party, zapping into the middle of True Now, which the way Troy described it, it was like in the middle of like the market almost. Mm-hmm. What happens if you teleport and somebody's standing right where you're standing?
1: Uh, I believe by the rules, if you teleport into a solid object, you take damage and then are shunted out of that space into the nearest open space. So probably... So, you know, when we're playing Divinity, if you teleport a character near another one, they, like, fall on top of them, and they both Mm -hmm. fall down and take damage? I I would assume it's something similar to that.
0: Well, as soon as they land, Nestor notices a few looks from both Metra and Dalgrith, and hears Baron pull back the hammer on Della and arrest him for the murder of Umlo.
1: Which was badass.
0: A completely shocking, because I... I figured they were going to let this play out and go
1: from there. And this, my friends, is the magic of tabletop role-playing games. Because we're all expecting they're going back to now, They're going to ask for some help from the council in and now, And then all of a sudden, Baron, gun to the back of Nestor's head, and is like, you're going down, you son of a bitch. You're coming with me. Completely surprised me. Yep.
0: We then jumped to the ivory hall. And we see the revamped Council of Defenders of Halgra, Saganstar, Crumkin, Barbados, Morning Hawk, Graf, Brenya mm. at Comic Exposition, <laughs> but no Silvermane or Silver Tusk, as everyone else is calling him now.
1: And don't forget that at least two, maybe three of them are played by Catherine Zeta Jones.
0: Yes, and they're all sitting next to each other too. By the way, yeah, not confusing. It is then that Baronico begin to debrief the council on everything that they have seen since the last time they were there. They explained that it's now at this point, it's not just the giants they have to worry about, but Volsus now has dragons under his command. So shit's getting real. Like if you didn't
1: think so before
0: a giant amassing an army, he's got dragons and the ability to control them. Kind of a big deal. Yes,
1: definitely. Big, big deal.
0: Big deal. And now more importantly than ever, they must reach out to everybody who will listen in order to band together to take him down of the utmost importance.
1: And of course, True Now is just full of politicians. Yep.
0: yeah, Diplomats.
1: <laughs> Diplomats, yes.
0: And they're all under the the wise guidance of Tom Exposition.
1: We're, yeah, that 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 is a choice. Mm-hmm.
0: But hey, he's an excellent photocopier. Which is great. Yeah. And True Now does not have any high-powered ballistas that can take down a dragon with ease or rebound it to boats or anything <laughs> of the sort. I love their slams against the game of around season eight. It makes me so happy to hear, but I digress.
1: I still haven't seen any.
0: Oh, mm. one through four. Just watch one through four.
1: Yeah. Uh, just stop. Uh, so I uh, side note, I do have the entire box set of every season and I still haven't made time to watch it. You know, there's a thing called HBO go, right? Just, just going to throw that out there uh, anyway. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: As a minor note, is brought up that Nestor will have a trial, but it will take place publicly the next day.
1: And that's a great idea, right? You know, give Nestor the opportunity to escape overnight, get away, just completely disappear, murder some people in town. No big deal.
0: He's never done that in the past. Oh, oh, wait. We then jump in to see Adriel and Will traveling to this chapel that his mother spoke of, and they discuss everything so far, as well as the possibility of what is to come. Adriel mentions that he has seen a castle in the clouds in his visions, but this castle has been built on bones, which Sky Citadel or something Brander's cooking up. Anything is possible in this situation.
1: It, it could also just be a metaphor for the fact That's, that it could be, uh, you know, castles, uh, kingdoms are built on the deaths of so many people.
0: Yep. However, Adriel does believe that their path will lead them directly to that castle.
1: So I guess we'll find out. We will just a matter of
0: time as a win they soon find the monastery and follow it along until they find the chapel they were sent to find. As they approach the door to the chapel opens and we are greeted with Shael followed by and cue his music Galabras
1: That's the music you wanted, right?
0: Adriel then asks Galabras if he remembers him, and he gets kind of a convoluted answer, like it's here nor there, yes and no, black and white. It's, it doesn't make any sense, really.
1: I remember you, but I don't. You're like a face in a dream. like Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then Will's like, yo, do you mind if I cast some uh, Detective Evil on you, which I don't remember if he got atoned. Like, is he? does he have his paladin powers back?
1: I don't know. Maybe that was, uh, I think, maybe as part of clearing out Highbury? Or going to see Highbury and clearing out Ergathoa.
0: As I, as I was laying in bed this morning, I kind of remember maybe hearing something about it happening in 200, but I'm not 100% sure.
1: Yeah, it's a little fuzzy for me. So if you know, let us know. Send us an email and I will tweet about it and give you credit.
0: After his detect evil comes back clean, Will mentions that they were sent here. Shale then mentions that they were sent here too but they were sent to find a spirit as gail is now the chosen one and together they are both needed to save the world
1: and who's that spirit Gormly, motherfucking call you you can't see but i'm like raising my hands in the like confused like what the fuck I mean, it's it's not like we didn't know that was coming, right? Because there was that. Uh, just hearing it. There was that scene with the Vault of Thorns and Gormley and Shiel. There was that sort of, not possession, but sort of like conversation there. That's mm-hmm. where she ran into the spirit. But still just like, what?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like I mentioned on Reddit. It's kind of like one of sorts. Troy is bringing the band back together again. He's got the closest thing to Lork. He's got Baron's cousin, family member or whatever, and then Gail and hopefully Gormley, as we'll find out, is Gormley because she comes back.
1: Spoilers for part two.
0: Yes. Why are you listening to us? Recap 250. If you haven't listened to parts, just yeah.
1: Yeah, that'd be a bad idea. For our vets, you know,
0: there's a spoiler warning that's supposed to be at the top of this. You know the rules because we didn't record that, by the way. Yeah,
1: I know. We're in for some good times. And those good times don't stop at the end of part one. No. No. Part two is where things get really fucking crazy. Yeah, buddy. And, you know, part two just picks everything back up right where we all started back in 2015. The true now commons. Except instead of tug of war, Nestor's going on trial.
0: And it's in a big, like, stadium thing.
1: Yeah, a, a, a Coliseum, and I think Matthew is like, "What? What sport did they hope to play here?" And the first thing that came to my mind, uh, because we played Curse of the Crimson Throne, is Blood Pig.
0: Yep. <laughs> Which, fun yet. Maybe Knivesy's.
1: So Blood Pig, for those of you unaware, is a game where two teams are basically trying to play rugby, but instead of a ball, it's a pig. And you're trying to throw a pig into a pit with a starved wolverine. I don't get it. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to my mind, but it, it was. Hopefully they don't play that intro now. Yeah, because <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> but we do find out that poor little Ruby, the girl from the Hope Knife ceremony at the very beginning of Giant Slayer, has died of consumption. So let's take a quick moment of silence for Ruby. Okay, that's enough. And so Halgra, as the chief defender of True now, gives this speech about evil and how it is their job as the Council of Defenders to protect True Now from all evil, including that which comes from within, like Nestor. And then Nestor has a chance to rebut, where basically he says, I don't recognize your authority, what gives you the ability to decide what happens to me? And he even renounces the gods? And earns a bottle cap for his speech, because it is absolutely awesome.
0: Really, really good.
1: Followed by an ask for volunteers to face off against Nestor and see, uh, to determine his fate as the gods see fit.
0: Otherwise known as a trial by combat.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, it goes down the line, Jigrin starts off, I'll do it, and then Cursed goes, no, father, that's my job. Roderick would have done this. And then Baron with another, so his speech during the arrest of Nestor was amazing. And then he has another one here where he's just like, I owe a debt to every character that was ever in the series. (laughs) Then Dahlgrith is like, dude, you can't just like, we need you to do this. If you die, uh, what chance do we have against the Giants? And then Metra wishes Baron luck, and then she goes over and talks to Nestor, where we find out that she feels the same way he does, where they're throwing away one of their best assets in this fight against the Giants. Which was interesting. I wasn't expecting that, but at the same time, I also understand where she's coming from. It's very
0: much the enemy of my enemy.
1: Right. And I think they both have a bone to pick with Brander. Mm -hmm. So then Baron and Nestor face off. Narrated by none other than Tom Exposition. And some other strange person who sounds just like Tom. <clears throat> <laughs> or maybe Tom's just talking to himself. It's just, like, What do you think, Tom? I think this is great.
0: Which I just want to point out real quickly that Skid is very fair in saying, how am I supposed to fight somebody with a gun when I have a bow and arrow? Yes. He's completely justified. But just the way he, he narrates that with Nestor, amazing.
1: Totally amazing. fair to have one man with a bow fight a, a dwarf with a gun. And that that, that is a terrible Nestor accent. You're welcome. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, and if you think about it, right, Nestor is specifically good at distance fighting. Being Mm -hmm. far away versus Baron, his whole shtick is he has to get close. He's got an entire ability called up close and deadly. So his whole thing is he's got to be in close. And if you confine Nestor then to an arena which has a fixed size, Baron is always going to be at an advantage here, unless, as they talk about a little bit, unless Nestor won the initiative. But he
0: missed it by one or two, I think.
1: Yeah. I was surprised that Dalgrith has a higher initiative bonus than Nestor.
0: Oh, yeah. um, I think but I think rogues get something. You can get like a rogue talent where you get a your level added to it, your initiative and all that stuff.
1: Oh, Interesting. I've never built one. But anyway... As they are running around the stadium taking shots at each other, Metra and Dahlgrith are like, this can't continue to go on. We've got to do something. And then Metra casts greater invisibility first on herself and then on Dahlgrith. And then right as Dahlgrith disappears, six ogres and a steam hog appear right in the arena. Fuck it, why not? (laughs) Fuck it, let's just do this. uh, So I guess I wonder a little bit, is there a way is there a spell that you can use to track somebody or to appear where somebody else is? Cuz teleport you typically have to be semi-familiar with an area. Can you go somewhere that you've scried?
0: I mean, I mean technically yes because you just you know like that percentage die shifts you have know, to seen once or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or it could have been some uber Wizard, or something like that, they cast it on them, or is like, you know what? Could, I've been there, I'm 800 years old,
1: or you know, just GM Fiat.
0: That's the kind of what I'm going with.
1: <laughs> and so, then during the fight, because these ogres, these new creatures arrived, Jagrin, Cursed, and Holgra all joined the fight. And I just have one question Where the fuck
0: is Omast? That's a very good point
1: omast was a badass during the battle of true
0: maybe he's out doing omast things like drinking
1: (laughs) he did fall off the horse
0: but i mean ultimately i don't think it would have mattered because as you soon find out he didn't bother leveling them up at all so i think you just would have you know he would have lasted two turns rather than one with everybody else
1: Well, and I I also think the point made about this being like an MMO is kind of correct, too. Because you could spend your entire time in the first area just fighting pigs or boars or whatever the entry-level enemies are. And you'll gain experience up to a point, and then it'll just not be worthwhile to stay there. And so if you stay there just fighting those enemies, you won't level anywhere near as quickly as if you leave. Mm -hmm. To To an extent, it makes sense. But, yes, the fact that they didn't really level also... Serves as their demise? Because Mm -hmm. Hogger and Cursed, unfortunately, don't make it out of this fight. Now, when Baron is fighting the Steamhog, the first thing he does is profession fisherman. Because (laughs) profession fisherman is extremely useful in times like this, and he finds out, not a fish.
0: I appreciate trying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't know if you don't ask.
1: I miss all of the profession fisherman checks from earlier on just trying to shoehorn some use of that skill.
0: It worked for like maybe 5 episodes in book 2 and then
1: <laughs> yeah, when they're uh, when they're on the boat, uh, yeah. the Chelish Devil.
0: Yeah, on their way to the um Blood River Fork, Red Lake Fork. That. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so on their way to Red Lake Fork. Avoiding river sharks.
0: Which are a real thing.
1: Yeah. God, it just brings back more memories. Um, the other thing we find out is the lead ogre is a cleric of Hagakal, a god of ogres, which I immediately thought of the Garagakal from Starfinder. I don't know why. They have nothing to do with each other, they just sound similar.
0: They sound similar. That's fair. yes, ogres are like the most depraved fucked up beings short of, I mean, they could even make some of the demons in Hellspawn in Pathfinder be like, bro, like really?
1: Yeah. Like, even Zon might just be like, whoa. Let's tap those brakes.
0: You're making me blush here.
1: And it's this cleric who channels negative energy that eventually deals the killing blow to both Cursed and Halgra. Following that though, Dalgrith is able to take her down by stabbing her with his giant Bane short sword because Baron switched targets in the middle of a full round action. We'll just skip over that. And then he jumps onto the next ogre. (laughs) You got something to say?
0: Because he also is like in the middle of, you know, his full round attack of multiple attacks and they just don't give him his last one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, it makes my job easier because you shot 14 times instead of 15 times, but, you know, <laughs>
1: Yeah. So Dalgrith then jumps onto the next ogre and starts attacking. Then we see a couple interesting character moments for Nestor. Because Nestor, in the heat of the battle, runs away and climbs up the wall. He's getting out and he turns around. He stops and he takes aim. And what I pictured was... Nestor gets away, gets the high ground, turns around, knocks an arrow, and takes aim right at Baron. And then, in the last second, raises it ever so slightly, and the arrow just flies right by Baron's face into the ogre right next to him, killing him. And then he takes a shot at the final standing ogre, which Dahlgrith is on.
0: Which, at this point, I'm pretty sure is when... Baron decides to cast, or maybe when it was against the Steam Hog, when he's like, I want to cast Bane against anything not human. Yeah.
1: To Bane, <laughs> not fish. Bane, not, that's what it was. Bane, not fish. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know I could, I could do that. That would have been really useful in this fight. In every fight, everybody would take Bane. That up, I cast Bane non-elemental. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then as Metra is flying to take out the ogre that's in her hungry pit, She stops and has a quick conversation with Nestor about he could get away, he could leave, but he chooses to stay because that's the only way that they won't continue to chase him just before Metra finishes the last ogre in the pit with a fireball and we black out.
0: Okay, so real quickly, what do you think Dahlgrith and Metra's play was in this? Because it seemed like they had an idea of what they were going to do before all this happened. That's why they were going invisible. Do you think they were just kind of being like, hey, we're going to be the ace in the holes in case Nestor gets the one up on Baron? Or was Metra going to try to teleport Nestor away?
1: I think Metra was going to try to either mass hold person and just stop the fight or maybe command them to stop fighting or something like that. I think she was going to do something to either them to make them stop fighting or teleport one of them out, Dimension Door one of them very far away. I think she was going to do something to just interrupt the fight and stop it from continuing until the ogres showed up.
0: Can you imagine if she took him and, like, dropped him on the Shadow Plane? Nestor being him. Oh, boy.
1: Can you imagine how high a level he would be when he came back? Yeah, of all people, I could see him surviving in the Shadow Plane. <laughs> right? He's like, oh, like okay, another day in paradise. Dalgrith, I don't know what Dalgrith would do. Do in that case, maybe go out onto the field and like he does when he is on the cleric, create that mirror image of himself.
0: But this is before like they had this plan in place before they even appeared. Right. Like, they went invisible and then and then the ogres jumped in like they had something in mind prior to, to, to the ogres showing up.
1: Right. And what I'm thinking is Dalgrith was going to try to be a distraction on the field with his mirror image from his armor. Just go out there and be like, oh, all of a sudden Dahlgrith is out there because... While invisible? Yeah. that Well, and that's what he does. He's invisible, but his mirror image isn't. That's true. So I'm thinking maybe go out there, do something like that, cause a distraction, maybe trip one of them up or try to trip both of them up or something. I, I honestly don't know, but I would be very curious.
0: So Joe, if you're listening, maybe give us a little behind the scenes. I don't know. Did you watch the fodder? I did not. They may have mentioned that.
1: They might have. Man, I'm really bad at this job. I didn't even watch fodder before we did this.
0: I didn't watch it either. And they don't have any recaps, so I mean it's... Damn. If they mention this on fodder, let us know. We both missed it.
1: Because that'd be interesting for us to know. Mm-hmm. And I'll check and see if there is a recorded version of the Fod somewhere. Well, anyway, when we fade back in, it's inside the chapel again. Shael, Galabras, Adriel... They're all standing around, and Galabras and Adriel are using their combined powers to summon planar ally, I believe is the spell, mm-hmm. from Gel, and pulling Gormley out of Shael. And as soon as she appears, we have the line, I told you, I always come back. That's the part that I was like,
0: I'm not crying, you're crying.
1: Yeah, no, there's a lot of onions in here that I've been... Slicing at my, at, uh, at my
0: cubicle by myself,
1: yes, and the uh, dust blown in my face,
0: and pollen and glass and everything else that makes your eyes water, yeah, not tears,
1: and just like ah, as <laughs> uh, the green light and half formed Gormley appear. I am kind of surprised she didn't go get Howie from Baron, but can at- you imagine
0: that if he just she just like teleports into into um, sure
1: <laughs> boom Gormley Booms is on. just like this is mine and everyone's just like what the fuck what was that but I think Troy is saving the surprise of everyone meeting up with Gormley until later
0: oh yeah like,
1: finale but now we've got Shael Sir Will and Lexington and Adriel as a party but Galabras and Gormley teleport to I believe Osiria to meet up with Silver Tusk, mm-hmm. so now we've got Chael, Sir Will, Adriel. That's one group. Galabras, Gormley, Silver Tusk, another group, and then you've got Baron, Metra, Nestor, and Dogrith. Which, who I guess we'll find out tomorrow what that party actually consists of after this whole thing.
0: Yeah. So it seems like. Once again, going back to like that was like Canon Fodder 86 where they discussed TPKs and at what point do you call it if you have a TPK? Troy is setting it up to where he's got contingencies upon contingencies should a TPK happen because at high level play, it's super easy to get a TPK for not careful. Now he's got people with personal connections to the original four, so to speak, in multiple parties. Mm-hmm. who have been involved in the story. So that way, if there should be a TBK, there's somebody else out there who has a justified reason to be involved in bringing down Volstice and Brainer, for that matter.
1: And these are all characters that we've seen development that we've seen played by the party. These are all mm-hmm. built characters that have a, like you said, reason to continue this on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in the end, we see that Thune carried three babies, From the Council of Thorns to the Osirian Druidic Circle. In a place very similar to where Gel and Gormley meet up with Silvertusk, but way earlier in time. These babies are the one who walks through time, Farzadir, Faraz's father. The one who watches over time, Pudir, who died. And the one who masters time, Brandir. And it was at this point, I <sighs> lost my shit. Is, now that Poudir
0: dead, is Gel now the one who watches over time?
1: Well, as we heard from, I believe Shiel, maybe Gormley, Galabras is the chosen one. Mm-hmm. And Faraza believed Pudir was the chosen one because that's what she was told. And Pudir Mm -hmm. died. Both Pudirs died. The one that I'm assuming is the same age as her father was killed by Brander. And then the other Pudir that was killed by Lork. Time
0: travel's so shanky. Oh,
1: God, yes. Well, and then what I want to know is uh, a couple things. Is this the same Thun that we know? Like, is the doppelganger Thun the Thun from the Druidic Circle? Is th- And then does that mean that Thune is a druid? Or is he just a messenger who traveled there? So it's there's a lot going on with that. It just raises more questions in my mind about Thune and his part in all this. Is this the original Thune? Or is this Thune, son of Thune, son of Thune?
0: But then Thune said he recognizes all, everybody. You know what I mean? Or Baron, anyway. I mean, it's all... It makes my head hurt. I
1: think that's what Troy wants.
0: I did I did mention this to Troy. He is walking a fine line right now in that he is setting something up truly amazing. Truly amazing. Something that I think top, will probably top any actual play podcasts out there. Which they're already in the top three, you could argue.
1: Mm.
0: And I've listened to one of them. I used to listen to Adventure Zone. The ending of uh, The Balance Arc was amazing. I think this has the this has a very good chance of toppling that easily just on a story standpoint. He is setting up something amazing, and I hope he is able to follow through. He he hasn't shown me anything to where he can't. He aims high and he shoots high. He, he hits the target. I hope that carries on.
1: Well, that's why we all listen. That's why we're so passionate about this. That's why everybody mm-hmm. is like, this shit is awesome. That's why we exist as a fan cast. Mm-hmm. Because this stuff is amazing. Mm -hmm. There are parts where some people, including us, are just like, "Eh, what is going on here? But at the same time, in Troy, we mostly trust. trust, Even if he's a dick. Mm -hmm. But I think that is going to wrap us up. Unless, Jared, you have any other...
0: No, not really. I mean, we, we pretty much hit everything on the head. It's just, it really is the march to the end now. Oh, it really definitely. and truly is the march to the end. In March. But no, it's it's we're here, and I think things are gonna start coming fast and furious. Like it's now it rather than it being episode, you know, we had like episode 250. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a big episode 275. Yeah. Because I, he's having he's having to tie up so much shit now. He's gotta he's gotta start throwing it out there.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also gonna be really interesting to see how the main story wraps up or how quickly we start moving toward that because we're at the point now where they basically just have to go after Volstice and that's why they're in true now.
0: Yeah. I mean, they still have to finish up the, the, the volcano.
1: They have a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, Jimmer is still missing.
0: Jimmer's still missing. Thune is still missing. Um, well, Thune might be in true now. That's true, but there's not a whole lot left. Really? I mean, if Troy really could streamline and knock out a big chunk of it, he could. Yeah, it's just we're. It really is a march to the end,
1: and a marching we will go.
0: I'm gonna say no more than 325 episodes.
1: Oh wow, you're gonna put a number out there. Mm-hmm. Your upper limit is 325.
0: Hmm, that's 75 episodes. That's that's a lot of time.
1: I think so. Part of me wants to say I think Troy is going to want to end on a nice round even number. But I think I'm going to pull a Matthew here and go, you know what? 351,
0: 311.
1: <laughs> oh. You're cutting you're undercutting me. I'm undercutting you.
0: You're that dick that does $1 on the price is right.
1: Uh no, no. I think we're at a point where it's going to become unpredictable almost in terms of how the story is going to progress. At least from a timing perspective. I think there's potential for it to end earlier than some of us are expecting. Even with, or maybe especially with, the two other parties that are fully formed. Well, mostly fully formed. Yeah, that's fair. But for real this time, that is going to be it from us. If you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, shoot us an email at gcnfancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at gcnfancast or
0: at Baron's Bullets.
1: And we would be happy to chat with you.
0: Yeah, buddy.
1: But for now, this is Steven.
0: And Jared.
1: From the Glass Cannon Nation Fancast saying, until next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. The Glass Cannon Nation Fancast is an independent production with no affiliation to the Glass Cannon Network. The intro and outro song is titled, Work, by Kevin MacLeod of IncombaTech.com, and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License 3.0. It
0: really and truly is the March to the end. In March. Yes. I think a lot of things are going to start in March. No, I really think you need to keep all of that where you're looking for the right (laughs) button.
1: No, (laughs) no, I'll put that in the outtakes.
0: Okay.